Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. It's a mailbag edition as I try to touch on a number of key topics, especially quarterback. I know some of you might get tired of quarterback talk, but it's the dominant question I get asked, not just for this mailbag, but throughout the offseason so far. I'll also discuss the defense, De'Ami Brown, and another key area Washington must address. Do me a favor and subscribe to the podcast as well as to Empire Media on YouTube. That's A-M-P-I-R-E. You can watch my interviews there. It's also a place you can leave comments. And of course, you can read my work on ESPN.com. I have a story up now about Washington's pursuit of quarterbacks. Okay, enough of that. It's time to deliver the mail, so let's get to it. Brian Sign, one more shot 99, wants to know, is there a middle linebacker worthy of a first-round pick? I like Howell best at quarterback and think he'll be there second. To me, MLB is most important. Well, for starters, no. Middle linebacker is not more important than quarterback, not by a long shot. They have the NFL's worst total QBR over the past four years combined. They're 24 and 41 in that stretch. It's not a coincidence. It's not because they lacked a middle linebacker. Now, I do agree with you. It is a very key sign, a very key um, spot to fill. So to your point, there are some who are worthy of a first-round pick, even at 11. Utah's Devin Lloyd is one guy who could be there. I think most of the mocks that you see would suggest that he's not going to be there at 11. So I don't think, I don't know how legitimate of an option he'd be there. I think if he is there, you have to strongly consider him. N'Kobe Dean is another one from Georgia. I think the only way he'd be considered is if they traded back to around, say, that 18 to 19, 20 range. Don't know if that's possible. You need someone else to trade with, and you have to be somebody who's willing to go up that high to get someone. That's always difficult. But my point is, I don't think he'd go at 11. And despite picking Jamin Davis last year in the first round, that will not preclude them from going to that spot again in 2022 if the right guy is there when they pick. Both Lloyd and Dean are true inside linebackers. I think they would disagree on Howell being the best quarterback. I'm not sure many would agree with you. Doesn't mean you're wrong, just where they're thinking is right, just where people's thinking is right now. Very good athleticism. And I know people are going to look at, well, the talent around him wasn't as good. Maybe that was the biggest issue. We'll see. But I think there are others they'd look at after the first round. I think Des Ritter definitely would be a guy. And again, I'm not saying Hall isn't. I think I need to learn more about where they truly think of him and, and what some of the vibe is there. When I've talked to folks, his name hasn't always come up as much as some others. But we'll see what happens after the combine. And there's still more than a month to go. I don't think there's like, I'm not sure that these guys are, these quarterbacks are, it's going to be hard. I think I could see minds changing based on a couple of meetings, et cetera. And the more they get to know some of these players, I don't know that the gap is so big between a lot of them. Anyway. Now to the next one. Justin Fellows wants to know, how do the commanders feel about De'Ami Brown? By the way, I'm not used to that name yet. Do they, commanders, not De'Ami, do they feel like they have enough talent in this room to surround a new incoming quarterback or will they attempt to address this in the draft or for agency? Well, at the combine, Ron Rivera did say that no position is off the, off the board when you're looking at the draft or even for agency. And I would always agree with that. You get the best players, get them in here and then create competition. Anyway, they definitely do feel good about their skill talent level, though. I think they need, I think I think they need to add another piece for a variety of reasons. Logan Thomas's status will be uncertain when the season begins. I know he's not a receiver, but he is part of that skill group. He'll be back at some point. We don't know yet when. I do think he'll be good when he gets back. 
a receiver, you have to hope that not only can Curtis Samuel stay healthy and hope that Brown develops. Um, so that, that's two big things there. I have more confidence in Samuel because before 2021, he had missed a combined four games in three years. With Brown, there's a feeling that with better quarterback play, he could progress a lot. They still like the reason they drafted him, speed, his ability to go over the middle. They like some of the plays he made late in the year, and they really liked how he handled playing Gunner, where he became more physical more, and, and really became more competitive. I saw that on tape as well. Will that translate into better release off the line? We'll see. He wasn't always pressed, so it wasn't always an issue. For me, I had hoped to see more separation at the top of routes. I think he needs to work on some of his stems to help get more of that, um, not just the stems, but how you're selling the route at the top. Sometimes that's with the head. Sometimes that with the body turn and all that. It's not just a subtle head turn. You got to really sell it. And I think that's something he'll have to get better at. I also saw him make a terrific catch against Dallas down the field late after he got digs to bite in an outside fake and get a little bit turned around. When I wrote this, sto um, this story this week on the quarterbacks, I know Mike Tannenbaum told me, former NFL GM, told me that he likes their skill talent. But if it's me, I'm still drafting guy. If someone is there, I really like no matter where the pick is. You need, you always need more talent. You can't just rely on hope and faith that a guy is going to develop. One guy I'm curious to see how he develops is Dax Milne. I started he hearing how excited they were with his development in the second half of the season. Not that he's going to be some pro bowler, but that they liked where he was going, especially in the red zone. Now, it didn't result in a, in a ton more targets, but part of that was because others ahead of him Center like Adam Humphreys in the slot, and I think the slot is where Milne works best. I don't think he'll be some dynamic player, but I am curious about his development and to see him this spring and summer. I think they also need to re-sign Cam Sims, and uh, Ron Rivera has brought that up a few times. I don't think he's going to be some big-time player for him, but I think he provides very quality depth. Anyway, at Frank Wants wants to know, is there pressure from ownership in the front office to get a fan-favorite franchise quarterback? because they know the fan base isn't happy with the name. Listen, man, fan base hasn't been happy with a lot of things around here lately, let alone the name. I mean, I think the name is the latest thing, but they have they weren't happy last year or two years ago when they had the name. So it's not just about that. Um, and I don't think the fan base was ever going to be happy with the, with the new name. So I don't think that changes anything. They Maybe some would have, maybe a few more would have been happy if it had been something else. We're not, we're still, I don't think it would have been the, this great, majority like some people seem to think they know they need to win to get fans back that's what the the quarterback search is about to my knowledge Snyder has not been butting in here if he does you you know it'll go south with whomever they choose because that's what's happened in the past but just because fans want a franchise quarterback and the team does I mean first of all they know they need one they know they need a, a strong face of the franchise especially when you are going um, when you have rebranded etc but just because they want all this to happen doesn't mean it will. It's not how it works. Another team has to agree to give up one of those guys. And to be honest, why the hell would they? Washington should try for certain quarterbacks without a doubt. And, I, and they will. Trust me, they will. But the obstacles for any of them remain quite high. If they can conquer some of these obstacles, they'll get a guy. Not because fans aren't happy with the name, but because they've long recognized the need for a certain level of quarterback. At Skins Universe 8 wants to know if they miss out on the bigger quarterback targets this offseason and sign a free agent and draft a rookie, do you think it's on the table to draft a rookie again in 2023? In other words, do you think they're willing to, sh to shoot in multiple drafts until they find the right guy? I actually do believe that is the case. They are well aware of how much they need that guy to take a legit step forward. So, yes, I believe if they can't find their guy this offseason, they'll pursue one next year. If they sign Trubisky or Bridgewater and then draft a guy in the third round, 
There's no way you can consider that problem solved. And then if a guy presents himself next year, that you would just say, oh, well, we're just going to see how this guy develops. That be, you know, I don't think it at all. I think this becomes a let's see if it works situation and then reevaluate next year. Now, if you, if you, let's say you go get Carson Wentz and you pair him with Malik Willis in the first round, then I think you would say, yeah, you're going to see how Malik Willis develops because the talent is there. But if you draft Desmond Ritter in the third round or Carson Strong there and you have Trubisky or Bridgewater, there's no way that you can get there, go next year and say you wouldn't readdress it if it, if it, um, if the need, if the, if it presents itself that you can upgrade in a dramatic way there, if you have a chance to be aggressive and go up, I definitely think you they would do that because again, I don't think they would view that as problem solved. I think it's a, see if you can get through, see if this guy develops, see, just learn more about whoever you bring in and then reassess a year later. All right. At Diego, go Diego wants to know where does Heineke fit into the quarterback plans? All the talk about is about swinging big and also potentially drafting a guy Taylor's still under contract, right? Yes, he's still under contract, and I expect him to be here in 2022, and Rivera has said that as much as well. Good player to have on the roster. You need good backups, and that's how they view him. Depending, and now, Rivera will always say, like, one of the options is to go with the guy who's already in the roster, and I think you go with him if you can upgrade. But, you know, they view him as a high-end backup, low-end starter. Um, and depending on who they acquire, it could be that they let Heineke compete with them for the job. If they get Trubisky, for example, I could see that at least being stated, but perhaps not really being a true competition, kind of like last year with Fitzpatrick, where they would say, oh, yeah, he can compete with it. But a lot of it was see what what Fitzpatrick, how much he learns this offense and then go from, you know, and then once they saw that there was no real competition. Some of the issues last season with Heineke stem from inexperience, wrong reads, being impatient with other reads, therefore missing potential big plays. That can be solved to a degree with more experience. The other part was his arm and how he handles messy pockets with his throws. For them, he just lacks the arm strength unless he can fully step into his throws. And there are a lot of times you're just not able to do that. And to be honest, I don't think many of the league would disagree with their assessment of him. But he does have a future here, even if they view him as a backup. And there's nothing wrong with that. You need good backups, guys who know the offense. Guys, if you're looking for that extra confidence when it's time to have a little bit of fun, let me tell you about BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service. It delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but it comes in chewable form and it's at a fraction of the cost. BlueChew's tablets will help you combat all forms of ED. Plus, it's an online prescription service. No visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy, and it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is really simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days, and the best part, all done online. BlueChew's licensed medical providers are going to work with you to find the right ingredient and the strengths for your personal subscription. Plus, their tablets are made in the United States. They prepare, they ship direct, and it's so much cheaper than going through a pharmacy. And here's a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code KIME, K-E-I-M, at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code KIME, K-E-I-M, to receive your first month free. And we thank Blue Chew for being a sponsor of our show. At Brian, uh, Brian Lowry wants to know, 
everyone knows their pursuit of quarterback. What are the, the why are the bigger names never actually interested in Washington? What does this franchise need to do to become attractive? It can't just be win, chicken or egg scenario. I know fans think the situation with owner Dan Snyder turns off out players on the outside. I hate to say, but I don't think it does, at least not to the degree that fans think or would like it to be. Um, players just don't see it the way fans do. Some cases it might keep a high-end guy away. Mostly it's about other things. Winning absolutely helps. It makes any place more attractive. Suddenly, narratives change. Receivers want to play with good quarterbacks. It helps their numbers. Quarterbacks want to play for good offensive coaches and with good skill players. It helps their numbers. But I, I do know that Russell Wilson was at least open to the idea of coming here, or at least those who spoke with him earlier last month got, didn't get the sense that he wouldn't do it if it came down to that. I don't think it's going to come down to that. With Rodgers, it's a pipe dream. Green Bay won't trade him in the conference anyway, most like, almost assuredly. But if you only have maybe two years left and you're leaving Green Bay, you're not coming here because when have they won? A year ago, Matthew Stafford wanted to go to the Rams. He was coming from a losing situation to Detroit. Why would he favor this place over L.A., even if there was some reason to believe that this place was getting better? You knew in L.A. what the talent was. You knew the offensive coaching staff and their talent. Of course, you're going you're gonna to want to go there. A few years ago, L.A. would have looked ridiculous to him. McVay arrives. Things change. They start to win. Looks different. Doesn't it does you know once upon a time players wanted to come here because of the tradition etc and the money show that you can build a winner and then that you'll pay and you'll attract many many players. So, um, DW at sometimes awake wants to know if the quarterbacks in the draft are so bad this year why was Rivera so against trading up to get a rookie quarterback last draft? Well he really wasn't against that not at all but they were against having to give up a ton for any of them and just paying what they considered an exorbitant price. While it was considered a better class, and for the most part, each one of the five drafted would be rated ahead of everyone in this group, I don't think there was a feeling that any of them outside of Trevor Lawrence was worth mortgaging that much to draft. They explored a deal to move up to get Justin Fields. I'm not sure what the price was. I just know they felt it was way too high. It's hard for me to say they are right or wrong without really knowing the exact cost. And while ideally you look a year ahead to get a feel for what the next group would be, there are other factors here. You never know who's going to emerge. Recent number one picks, Kyler Murray and Joe Burrow, were not viewed anywhere near that the previous spring. They emerged. Other guys you think will, who will emerge or look like they're guaranteed to be a top five pick, and they're not. Um, so if you'd waited for them, you'd be out of luck. So while it's helpful, it's not fail-proof by any means. I also think they wanted another year of building out the roster. It could be, though, that they missed their chance. I do know last year, at this, at this time last year before the draft, the feeling was in a year or two, you get the draft right, you get a few more got talent in, you get more talent in here, you build a better, stronger base, and then you can be more aggressive. Now, I think if that group, if that same group was here this year, they'd probably be more aggressive because they feel better about where they're at with their roster. Um, but again, it could be that they just missed their chance. Backs to the Future wants to know, how can the commanders fix their defense? Do we need new talent or does Del Rio need to change his approach? Well, a little bit complicated, but not really. The defense played much better after the sixth game of the year until they simply lost too many players to COVID, to injuries, et cetera. They were starting guys who were their fifth, sixth, and seventh edge rushers late in the season. That's a problem. So I'm going to focus on the first six games and then the next six as to show how they can improve. And because I think the last, um, I guess that would be the last, what, five games, 
it was such a screwed up situation with everything that I think it's hard to look at that. So those first 12 games. So in the first six games, they ranked last in points and 31st in yards. In the next six games, starting with the Green Bay game, they ranked fourth in yards and ninth in points allowed. So here are my solutions. First, get a true middle linebacker. That would provide instant help, in my opinion, and allow others to play their more natural spots like Jamin Davis and Cole Holcomb, both more better excuse me, both better suited to be outside linebackers. I know I've said this before, Holcomb wants to stay inside. Problem is he was inconsistent with being decisive with his reads and all that. So I think that hesitation, they saw that when he played outside, when they put David Mayo in the middle, the Mayo's not in contention here, but when they put Mayo in the middle and Cole outside, they felt that Cole was a lot better. Two, stay creative and aggressive with the pressures. One reason they improved when Sweat and Young went down is because they blitzed more in third downs um, and it led to better play. They relied too heavily on Sweat and Young winning one-on-ones and therefore a four-man rush in the first six games, and it didn't work. It led to failed breakdowns. They played a lot of man coverage because they thought that would help the pass rush, and, and they didn't. It, they didn't put in enough pressure. They were getting beaten in coverage. I feel like after those six games, the coverage calls started to match the pressure calls a lot better. And I think they tightened up their zone coverage a lot better. And then third, find a way to keep Landon Collins and let him continue to blossom in that hybrid role. He is not a true, he's not just a linebacker. He is a definite linebacker safety. Um, He was very good in that role. They feel he can be dynamic. And then I think the last thing is um, keep adding some corners. You always want depth there. William Jackson struggled at times. We saw that. He struggled to play zone. And I know people can say, well, why would you play zone with him? Because when they played man, they weren't very good. That's that's why. And I think, you know, that what they wanted to get to a point, part of the problem was even people who had coached him before knew that he might would struggle in zone, that he was definitely a man corner. I think the previous year when they had Darby, um, Darby was mostly a man corner. He came in, but he, he did adjust to the zone and played well. And I think losing him certainly was put a um, was not good. But I think that's why I keep adding corners, build depth because you always need it. And then um, maybe you get a guy who can who can start for you. So there you go. That's how you that's where, you know, I don't think this defense is far off. I think it's also going to be helped next year by playing a different level of quarterbacks. They played the best quarterbacks in the game last year. A lot of them. So I don't, you know, I, and I think Del Rio did change his approach. I do. And I don't think it's as, as simple as Del Rio had to go. I think there were some issues with the line coaches. I think the defensive line, I think there's still some things to watch there. And I think that was always an issue as well. And I think just the change up of the, of how they're used and all that. But yes, I do agree with the, the approach for Del Rio was not relying on those front four to just apply the pressure. Get creative with your calls. Watch how Dallas, Dan Quinn used the Dallas defensive front. A lot of talent there, but man, they were coming from all angles and moving around a lot. That's what you want to see. That's what they have to do. If you do that, I think this defense, get a little middle linebacker, do that. Defense has a chance to be really good next year. Okay, Burgundy and Gold, Knuckleheads Podcast. Listen, if you want to get a plug for your podcast, you ask me a question, you put this in your avatar, Burgundy and Gold, Knuckleheads Podcast, there you go. Outside of quarterback, what's the second most pressing need for the commanders? Well, the one spot I've heard talked about the most is middle linebacker. Doesn't mean they're going to take one at 11. It does mean it's a high priority. And I've heard that since probably midway through the season at least. I've talked about this before, but again, I just said earlier, Holcomb and Davis, better outside. To have someone who plays in the middle who's decisive makes a huge, <clears throat> makes a huge difference. 
And I think I go back to that Eagles game. I've done this before. David Mayo in the middle. God, I'm building this guy to be an all-star, and he's not. He's a backup to the backup. Kind of like Dwight Schrute was was not an assistant regional manager. He's assistant to the regional manager. But what Mayo showed is when you have a guy who plays decisive, the impact they can make because those double teams, like Keekly is the guy that they want. Obviously, anybody does. But somebody who plays like that, who can get – who can get the double teams off of Payne and Allen a lot quicker. And if you don't, if you linger on those double teams, then the linebackers making the play. They did well defending the run against the Eagles and in part because of that. So I'm not sure how they yet they address with a free agency or the draft. Um, there's a chance it could take one in the first round, possibly again after trading back. I don't think they take one just to take, but, but I definitely think they're going to try to fill that position um, very, very much so. Do I think they'd like to add another runner? Another spot would be running back, interior line, more DBs. I, again, skill players. I definitely would be looking more at that. Late in the draft, I could look at. I could see them taking some more young. Well, of course, they're going to be young. Their draft picks taking edge rushers, similar to what they did with Tony and William Shaka Tony and William Bradley King last year. I don't think they saw the development they had hoped for, so I put that on the list for later in the draft. Um, especially too, depending on how these guys look, they're. Off-season workouts will start April 18th. It gives them a week or two before the draft to see what kind of shape guys are in, et cetera. But I do think like I would put that as something to watch later in the draft because you can never have enough young edge rushers. And so, and if nothing else, it provide more competition and you push those guys to let them know that nothing is guaranteed. Anyway, that's it. I hope you hung until the end. It's a lot of mail to deliver. I apologize if I talk too fast. If you had to slow it down to a different speed, I apologize. Um, I appreciate your questions, and I thank you for listening. I'll be back with another episode on Friday. Talk to you next time.